You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. on this topic, the after Christmas story. And uh, if you'll pray with me one more time, just ask God's will to be done. God, we are so thankful. Lord, we're so thankful for the Christmas story, for everything that it represents to us here tonight, your salvation coming down to us. God, we pray right now that you would let your will be done in this place, speak into our hearts from your word. Let it resonate within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Christmas 2023 is over. The tree may still be up in your house. I don't know. But ours was taken down today. And actually, that's doing pretty good. There's been some days that after the Christmas presents are opened, the tree gets taken and put away. (laughs) And my wife is just anxious to get the house back to normal for what we would consider normal. And uh, if you understand the fact that we usually have our Christmas tree up by November 12th, (laughs) we've had it, we've enjoyed it, we've enjoyed the lights for about a month and a half. So once Christmas is done, usually Boxing Day or the next day, we've got it put away. So today, that was our That was our task, getting everything back in order and everything put away. And uh, all that's left of the turkey is a bear skeleton. That poor bird has been used up. (laughs) Visiting family members have left to go back home. The excitement of Christmas took weeks to build to a crescendo. And then it's over. Life has gotten back to normal. People have returned back to work. And many people suffer from the post-Christmas blahs, a kind of state of mind after all the excitement of Christmas. And you are left wondering, now what? Now what? Is Christmas really over when we take down the tree and the lights and put the manger back in the closet? When the signs of Christmas are no longer visible, does that mean that the significance of Christmas is no longer valuable? A lady named Lynn Casagrande, he, she wrote this poem. She said, "'Twas the day after Christmas and all through the town. The ones who weren't Christians were feeling let down. The stockings weren't hung by the fireplace anymore, and boxes and wrapping covered the floor. The kitchen was covered from floor to ceiling with enough dirty dishes to set mother reeling. The children were whining over what they didn't get, and rather than sharing, they were throwing a fit. The malls were bustling with post-Christmas shoppers searching for bargains on racks and in hoppers. The salesmen looked haggard. The shoppers looked worse as credit cards flew out of wallet and purse. There were no joyful sounds of carolers singing. The scene was altogether too grim for all the people who didn't know him. If only this unhappy crowd could know that the spirit of Christmas isn't tied with a bow and stacked in piles underneath the tree, he lives forever and you And in me, it didn't start in presents piled up in a sleigh. It started with Christ being born in the hay. The perfect gift from our Father above sent to us sinners to show us his love. He came without wrapping or boxes or strings. 
If you're a Dr. Seuss fan like I am, I just love this. <laughs> no glitter or glamour or other things. He came with the promise of hope for all men that even in death we'd have life again. The next time you face people covered with strife, introduce them to Jesus and let him change their whole life. Tell them that Christmas is a daily thing that comes from intimately knowing the king. That's what she wrote. It was written quite a while ago. But the real story of Christmas and Christ is not once a year celebration. The Bible, it doesn't stop with the birth of the Messiah. It's a daily thing that comes from intimately knowing the king. On the original Christmas day over 2,000 years ago, most of the world had no idea God's greatest present had been delivered, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Christmas is that season on the Christian calendar when we remember what C.S. Lewis called the central event in the history of the earth. This greatest of all miracles, the incarnation witnessed the one who is immortal, taking on human flesh and embracing mortality. Lewis noted that every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. God coming down. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. In this text, the Apostle Paul, he is speaking of life before and after the coming of Christ. He tells us what we were because of his coming and how we ought to live after his coming. Paul speaks of those before the coming of Christ as being like infants who had to be kept in check by the law of Moses. He concludes that we were in bondage to the elements of this world, as all of humanity was. But God had a plan to break into human history at just the right time, and he did. He came into the world born of a woman and subject to the law. He came to redeem. He came to save. He came so that we could be adopted into his family. The evidence of that adoption is the gift of the Spirit. Because Christ has come, we are now full heirs together with him his presence living inside of us what could be better than that christmas means we no longer have to be bondage in bondage to sin we can be free we can live a life that breaks the cycle of generations of sin and sickness and addiction because of the coming christ you do not have to be bound by sin his gift is enough hear me tonight his gift is enough we don't need anything else. His gift is enough. It's enough to set us completely free and give us a permanent spot at the table of the king as a son and as a daughter. His son, his daughter. We are baptized into him and filled with his spirit. We get that privilege. So yes, Christmas is something to get excited about. The birth of Christ, it means everything to our salvation story. When we read the two accounts of the nativity from the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, they also have these insights into what we should do afterwards, the after Christmas story. 
there were different groups of people who first saw the baby Jesus shortly after his birth. We've seen them depicted in our nativity scenes. They have much to teach us about how we ought to live after Christmas. They teach us, first of all, to let others know. Luke chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made wisely, widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the prophets. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. After Christ was born, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, they pondered, they wondered, they were amazed at what God was doing. God is with us. Now what? All of the waiting, all of the promises, what we've waited for is here. But now what? One of the classics that many of you have probably seen before at this time of the year is a Charlie Brown Christmas. Does anybody have a Charlie Brown Christmas tree this year? All disheveled, kind of picked out of the brush. <laughs> Charlie Brown, as so many people do today, looked in all the wrong places for the true meaning of Christmas. He thought that maybe it was in putting on a Christmas play or finding just the right tree to decorate. But the other kids, they all argue over the details of the play and they call him stupid for the scrawny little tree that he buys. They don't write children's books like this anymore. <laughs> In the end, his friend Lennis tells Charlie Brown the true meaning of Christmas by reciting the Bible verses about the shepherds and about Jesus' birth. Luke 2 and 8, it tells us, And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. These humble shepherds were about to become the first people to hear the announcement of Jesus Christ's birth, to go quickly to Bethlehem, to be the first ones to see him. God came to them while they were in the most desolate of locations, doing the humblest of tasks. They were in the very place that, from human viewpoint, no one would have expected God to show up. However, these men were in the exact place, at the exact time that they needed to be. They were keeping watch over their flocks when the angel appeared to them. God didn't appear to the self-righteous religious leaders or to the celebrities of that day. He appeared to humble men in a despised profession in, a dark, in the dark, lonely hillsides of Bethlehem. In and of themselves, they were a sign. These shepherds were a sign of what was to come. They were foretelling the significance of Jesus Christ. David, King David, who grew up shepherding his father's sheep, saw this aspect of God and wrote that God is our shepherd. And we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And generations upon generations later, God would come and he would tell the crowds that surrounded him one day in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We are the sheep. We need his leading. We need his guiding. We need his defense. We are completely dependent on the shepherd to lead us by still waters and provide for us our daily bread. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 9, it continues the story, and it says, And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. An angel sent from God as a messenger suddenly appears to these shepherds, and they become frightened. Actually, they were not just frightened. Verse 9 says that they were terribly frightened. And however, the angel immediately tells them in verse 10, do not be afraid. You don't have anything to fear. The Bible tells us 63 times the words, fear not. And over a dozen times, not to be anxious. We are told in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But how are we supposed to not be fearful? How how can we not be anxious in certain situations? It's a normal emotional response designed to protect us from harm. Based on our own human abilities, it's not possible to be anxious for nothing. But now that we are living in the after Christmas story, we have the benefit of God's presence living inside of us. We have God's word available to us. And as we take in God's word, it transforms us, as Paul said, by the renewing of our minds. As God's presence lives inside of us, we have the constant reminder that he will never leave us, He will never forsake us. He is as close as the mention of his name. Has anybody called on his name here recently and know that to be true? He is as close as the mention of his name. In verse 10, the angel shares this message with the shepherds. He assures them that he brings good news and that it means great joy for all people. The shepherds will become messengers of this good news by later telling others about what they will see in Bethlehem. Verse 11, it says, For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel tells the shepherds where this great joy is to occur. It is in the city of David, Bethlehem. Their Savior, the promised Messiah, the Lord, is to be born that very night. This event, it was prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah, he says, but as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. They didn't question anything the angel told them. They didn't question which city it would happen in. They don't question the event that the angel said that would occur there. They simply just believe the angel at his word. And the shepherds, they then tell how they're going to recognize this new baby boy. Verse 12, and this shall be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And I think it's safe to assume that there weren't any other babies born that night. In that particular scenario, being laid in a manger. The shepherds, they believe this message in faith. Then suddenly, something unexpected happens in the story. Verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. A group of angels lights up the nighttime air, praising God. Just imagine that for a moment. We, we can get excited just by lighting candles. We can get excited about stringing Christmas lights all around our house and singing Christmas carols. We get excited driving down, looking around at all of the different Christmas lights that people put out. Imagine being a part of that event. A host of angels show up and begin to say glory to God in the highest. And after centuries of waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled, this was the very night. It says, and it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. The shepherds, they hear this message and in faith they believed it and they just say, let's go. We've got to go and see it. We've got to go and see what they were talking about. We don't know how many shepherds there were. The Bible only tells us the name of one of the shepherds. It says in verse 16, and they came with haste. We don't know who haste is, but it says that he, they came with him. I'm not sure. They, came, they grabbed haste. No. <laughs> I'm just making sure you're paying attention. <laughs> the shepherds, they rushed to the place that the angels told them about. And as we continue this story, we read in verse 17, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child, this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which are told them by the shepherds. And of all the people, and of all the people that could have herald, been heralded by angels to come witness this spectacular event, he brought the shepherds. He brought shepherds to the manger as witnesses of God's amazing grace. They were excited by what they saw. And they told everyone that they seen about it. For days now, stores will be filling our inboxes and clogging up our phones with Boxing Day deals. You've got to have it. Did you know that you're, you qualify for a whatever? <laughs> have you seen? Have you heard? But bigger than any Boxing Day deal could ever be, the shepherds began sharing about the long-awaited Messiah. Have you heard? Have you seen? He's here. He's here. God with us. God with us. And Luke tells us that they made known the statement which the angel of the Lord told them about the child. The shepherds told everyone they met about this good news that is for all people. And then Luke tells us something about Mary in verse 19. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She was taking in God's word as it happened. She listened to the shepherds share the story about how they found where Jesus was. She listened and she treasured up these things in her heart. And as the shepherds went back, they went back, the, verse 20 tells us, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and all that they had heard, just as it had been told them. And as the shepherds returned to their fields, I believe they, they went back different than when they came. They went back glorifying. 
The shepherds, they couldn't keep it in. They had witnessed the glory of God, the light of God, shining from the heavens, heralded by angels. This glorious light directed them to the frail form of a baby boy, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a feeding trough. It was too good not to tell. Robert Fulgham, he tells about attending a conference in Greece where he had heard a powerful lecturer. Everybody was thrilled about what the lecturer had said. And toward the end of the lecture, the speaker asked, are there any questions? Get to the end of the lecture, and that's usually one of the things that's asked. There was just awestruck silence. Nobody said anything. It was one of those special moments when words failed. But Fulgham, he said, I've got a question. In the five minutes we have left, tell us the meaning of life. Everybody laughed and started to gather up their things to leave, but the lecturer said, wait a moment, sit down, because I do want to tell you the meaning of life. The lecturer removed from his wallet a tiny round mirror about the size of a quarter, and he told the story about how as a young child during World War II, he'd lived in tremendous poverty. One day he was walking down the road, and he saw the wreckage of a motorcycle, and in that wreckage was a cracked mirror. He said, I tried to gather up all the pieces of that mirror and put it back together again, but I couldn't find all the pieces. And so I just took the biggest piece and I scratched it on a stone until I could make it round. He said, it became a wonderful toy. Did anybody get a little round mirror for Christmas? <laughs> it became a wonderful toy. And he said, my fun was to reflect the light of the sun into the darkest places that I could find. Whenever I would get bored, I would pull out that little mirror and I would reflect the sun into places where the light had never, ever been. He added, as I grew up, that act became a metaphor of what I could do with my life. I'm not the light, he said. I'm simply a reflector of the light. And my job is to get the light into the darkest places. We were made to witness. Humanity was made in the image of God. And as God's image bearers, we were made to give spontaneous demonstrations. Just like we, what we did here tonight as we lifted up our hands, lifted up our voice in praise and worship when we began to sing together. We were singing the praises of God. We were glorifying Him for who He is. Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Even in our fallen state, the image of God is still intact, and we see God in the love of a mother and in the provision of a father, in the person fighting for justice. The shepherds beheld the Lord. Mary was reflective. The wonder of Christmas should fill our hearts with so much to contemplate and treasure and to meditate on throughout into the new year. Like the Apostle Paul would write in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The new year should be one in which we are determined to think more deeply about what all of this means and tell others about our encounter. But it, it should also make us leave a different way. The writer of Matthew, he jumps ahead about two years in the life of Jesus, and he tells us about the wise men who followed a star to find the long-awaited king of kings. Matthew 2, verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. 
Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The shepherds, they, fall, they showed up with heavenly news. The Magi, they showed up with rich gifts. You may not arrive the same way as others here tonight. You may not arrive at the same time. We're all at different parts of the journey in this walk called life. The important thing is that you arrive at the Christmas story. More important still is that you leave different than you came. Hopefully better. The shepherds showed up with curiousness, curiosity, and they, they left rejoicing. The Magi, when they found the Lord, they fell down and they worshipped him and they went out another way. And isn't that the story of everyone who has ever encountered Christ? J- Jacob, he walked away limping with a new name. Moses' face glowed like a light bulb. Peter became a fisher of men. Matthew left his tax-collecting booth and just followed the Lord. Saul of Tarsus, he became the apostle to the Gentiles. And after Christmas, we ought to go out a different way. I'm going to ask the music to come back if they could at this time. Something was different after their encounter with this little baby boy. They went back to their own country. And Christmas, it changes everything. And because it changes everything for us, because of Christmas, we are changed. And after Christmas, we ought to walk into the new year differently. I don't know if you've already thought about some New Year's resolutions, some things that you say, okay, this year, 2024 is going to be my year. I'm finally going to read that book I said I was going to read five years ago. I'm finally going to pull the clothes off the treadmill and use it as a treadmill. (laughs) We make all of these different things. But going into the new year, in 2024, no matter what we decide for our resolutions, this thing is resolute. He is sovereign, and he reigns. He is Lord of all. He's King of kings. He is hope. He is peace. He is the resurrection, and he is the life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we stand all across this place? As we think about the way Jesus came into the world, we enter a new year with the hope and assurance we find in him. When you're putting away your Christmas tree and lights, when you're putting away your manger scene, packaging it all up again, I admonish you tonight, don't put away Christ. After the holiday season, we will return to our jobs and our ministries These wise men, they returned to their own country. The shepherds, they returned to their flocks. After the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh were dispersed and the worship party was over, Mary, she still had to feed this little baby boy. She had housework to do, I'm sure. Joseph still had to provide. The shepherds were led by a heavenly host. The wise men were led by a star. And as we leave the Christmas season and move towards walking into a brand new year, Our visit to the manger should revive our desire just to be led by God. Just to be led by God as the Christmas season moves to a close and as we head into this new year. Tell somebody what Christ has done for you. Walk into the new year differently because of what God has done. 
when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are gone home, and when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas has just begun. His salvation story has just begun. The lost are still being found. The broken are still being healed. The hungry are still being fed. The prisoners who are captive by their sins are still being released today. So the after Christmas story for us means that it's not over. It's not over. It's not finished. It's just begun. He has a plan for us. He has called us to be reflectors of the light in this dark world. And so, God is with us. Now what? What does that mean for us? It means that if we haven't experienced His salvation work in our life, tonight's the night. Today is the day of salvation. And if you have, I admonish you here tonight, tell somebody. Tell somebody the testimony. Relive it again. Hallelujah, Jesus, and go through that story again. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.